Dwyer's a special forces guy, and uh, he uh, lost his eye and lost an arm. And Dwyer uh, was at his son's Little League game, and the umpire made a call he didn't agree with and took his eye out and said to the umpire, you could use this. <laughs> He's got a great sense of humor, obviously. And this painting has got a lot of paint on it. A lot, which I think kind of makes it an interesting painting. Talk to me first about some of the injuries you sustain, and I also want to mention, even as you do, you're still active duty, aren't you? I am. I'm still active duty. Uh, the first 100% disabled airman ever to re-enlist in the Air Force. Uh, so I'm pretty uh, happy that I'm still able to serve because it's hard to find a job. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Wet Wired. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. Today we are remembering the George W. years. And I, I was, as I was watching all this, I had this flood of, um, of memories about all the things that I remember about those years. And the, thing, the two things that stood out so terribly were NSYNC and Nokia phones. <laughs> With us today for some guided reminiscing, we have independent filmmaker Christopher Bell. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. We're going to be talking about your docu-series, your amazing docu-series, Miss Me Yet, which is currently showing on Means TV. I mean, I have plenty of questions that I, I want to get to about, you know, the choices that you made in making the series and, you know, like maybe some like some of your thoughts and motivations to create it in the first place but the first thing that i want to i i want to mention is that it's it's amazing how you you tell this story of the bush years but you're not just focusing on on him you're focusing on this broader cultural context that of all these events that were taking place and a lot of uh, a lot of shared popular culture type things. I mean, obviously, everybody has their own individual memories of those years that they don't share with everybody else. But even though you're you're calling the series "Miss Me Yet," that it's much more a reflection on that on that decade of the the early two thousands. Obviously, there's a lot of reasons to examine George W.'s presidency. You know, 9-11 is a big one. He started two wars that lasted over 20 years and rise of private military contractors. And, you know, the list just goes on from there. But I'm really curious about what was it that drew your attention to the to making a docuseries about him specifically in this particular, you know, decade and 12 years or so? So it was around um, 22nd Obama admin. Um, that you were starting to see more of um, lovable Bush. It's like that's when the rehab began, when he was uh, sharing candy and hugs with the uh, first lady. And I was like, this is kind of weird. Um, and, and the more it happened, the more like kind of lefty circles, at least were talking about it. And uh, I just started imagining how... You know, a lot of people don't have good memory. <laughs> like, we don't have memory. Right. And this was, like, crazy because it was, like, not that long ago. No, I mean, we're talking – I mean, what it's 2023 now. We're talking 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, you're sitting there, you're thinking, like, man, like, the Iraq War, you know, the expansion of surveillance state, you know, all these things. And 
I, I of course was thinking of it in a movie and it's like, Oh, what's like, you know, it's a funny idea, but it's an engaging idea where it's like, Oh yeah. Bush comes in, um, crazy election kind of both times, uh, Iraq war, Afghanistan, nine 11, all these crazy stuff. And then the end of the movie he's on Ellen. And it was <laughs> such a cheeky little pitch that, um, was very compelling to me. And it was one of those things where it's like, Oh man, I'd love to watch a movie like that. And it kept coming and it's like, Oh no, I have to do the movie like that. So yeah, it, it was one of those like obsessive thoughts that was just like too compelling to me personally to let go. And I don't come from money and I self-finance all of my films. So it seemed like a good opportunity to have an idea that I was really excited about that wouldn't cost money. It would just cost a massive amount of time, but you know, it would end up being like kind of like a little B-side side project while I was like either writing or trying to raise money or trying to schedule like, you know, more, I don't even want to say just narrative filmmaking, but just like live action filmmaking, you know, I could just get my computer, watch stuff. Mm -hmm. It really struck me. I, I was, I was thinking about it while I was watching it. Um, speaking of the amount of time, the, the number of times that you, that you, uh, uh, cut in ads from the early aughts, I, I couldn't help but think, how the fuck did he get this? Where, where <laughs> did he score these ads? Uh, I mean, j just, just to, just to plug into the documentary or docu-series or however you want to phrase it, uh, like, it, it it blew my mind. I, I was really genuinely thinking about how much time it had to take to just find all of these clips. It was really incredible. Yeah. I mean, YouTube, fantastic resource. Um, <laughs> but they will have, I mean, what was really nice is that they had um, commercial compilations that people would just upload. So it's like, you can literally go by year and then in the details, like sometimes they'll even like, literally list every commercial you'll see with like sometimes even time codes, um, which is like, you know, for my purposes, like I have to watch them. You know, I can't just be like, Oh, like, you know, it was helpful because I obviously wanted bank commercials. So if I knew a bank commercial was going to be in this compilation, okay, that's good. Um, so that helped it. But um, yeah, there would be compilations and it would kind of be tricky to rip because they're copyrighted which is kind of weird. The commercials are like, yeah. So it's like, how did they get up on YouTube? Right. I can't download them. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they were up there and then it just became like, what do I remember from the time? What am I seeing new? That's like more emblematic of the feeling of that year, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was, it was a bit easier somehow to, narrow down the commercials because it kind of came much later in the process of things. Whereas from the initial point, it was always Bush. So I had a lot of Bush footage to watch, which took years. Um, but commercials came later and it was like somehow easier because pop culture is just easier. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I noticed and I, you can, funny enough. I noticed that mission accomplished that, that, that emblematic uh, 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 clip was not in any of the 10. <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't even show up once. Yeah. Um, it's funny to not have, I like it to me. That's like a weird zag 
Y'all thought I was going to zig. <laughs> I zagged in the, in the zaggiest way. There was another one that you did where you, where, you, where you zagged instead of zigged. And you never showed any of the footage from the planes hitting the Twin Towers on 9-11. Yeah, I did well, notice that. Or at least oh, man, not the not the standard <laughs> footage. Let's put it that way. Not the footage that people expected to see. Right. Because I definitely had that expectation where, oh, this is where th- this is going to come in. And it didn't. And it really stood out. And I think that that choice early on, it uh, it definitely clued me in that this, this was going to be a different sort of of commentary on those years. I mean, I could tell by watching it that it was gonna it was gonna be different because right out of the gate, you did the different thing. I mean, it's all about the whole thing is like recontextualizing everything, and that sometimes means like you don't put in something really obvious because it's not really even gelling with everything else or it's like you hold on something for much longer. Like, I don't know if many people have even seen Bush in the classroom, like a video of it. Yeah. So it's like, all right, let's have the whole take basically. (laughs) Or, you know, he goes, now let's watch this drive. And it's like, all right, let's watch the drive. Like nobody's ever done that. Now watch this drive. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to reveal a little bit of my age here, but I remember watching the twin towers fall freshman year and then uh you know i'm 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 at the bar and i'm and i'm talking to somebody and i'm saying uh something or other and and (laughs) the person to whom i'm talking is like oh yeah uh and i heard about this 9-11 thing once it's it's so wild to be at that age to to have seen it live when that plane goes in, you're talking about also, you were at a bar with somebody younger than you who wasn't alive when it happened. Right, right, right. I'm saying okay. like, look, yeah, because like, like, yeah. like, or was like, too, too young. Yeah, to as a freshman, went to a bar. Like, yeah, like, was, and the, the story, Jules, was it was falling up, like the wheels were coming off at the end there. Oh, uh, they're coming coming off. <laughs> right. Uh, well, it happens. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, but but what I'm saying is that it it was it, it's it's super wild to be there live while it happened, and. uh Honestly, it it is a total mindfuck to watch your docu-series where I forgot so much. I forgot so much of this. And as I'm watching it, I'm revisiting those moments in uh, where I was uh, at the protests in 2003, uh, for example. And, and, I, and I just totally forgot so many things that happened, like watch this drive. Yeah, so I was also a freshman. So we're the same age. Um, 87? It was really funny because... Huh? 87? No. 85. No shit. I'm 85. Are you 80, You're 87? 87. I'm also an Aries while we're on the subject. Sagittarius. <laughs> this whole thing's just getting embarrassing. <laughs> you know what's, what's funny is that you're like, oh, like we they wheeled in a TV and we watched it live. A lot of people tell me that. I did not... They did not do that. No, for us. no they didn't. Um, were you in Were you in school on the East Coast? Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember my like smart friends were able to like go off on their own with the teachers and watch it in like the library, uh-huh. but it became just like school gossip. Yeah, where I talked to my friend's brother, and he was like, "I thought people were kidding around when they told me." And we were like kind of laughing, like we didn't really get what was going on. And then a week or two later, it was like kids were like breathing fire 
Oh no, you no, know, that week people were like breathing fire and being like, you know, we, we need to kick all of these people out of our country, that kind of thing. It was like, it was pretty crazy. I, I think it's even crazier when it's, when it's a rumor and that's, that's how people are learning about it, you know, because when it's just something that they, they don't really believe because it's an impossible thing to believe, you know, unless you were watching it on the television when it was happening or you were on, you know, you were there, unfortunately, it's an, it's impossible to believe that something like that would go on. But I never, I'd never even thought about what it would be like to, if I hadn't seen it live and I just heard about it, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I don't think I would have believed it. And I'm, I'm a bit older than both of you guys, you know, about 10 years. And, you know, so I was at work and watching it on a television and, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was, if I hadn't seen that, if I'd like, I don't know, left early that day or something like that, then it would have been a very different story if, you know, to catch it later on. Yeah. I remember uh, you know, I'm like primetime puberty, I'm getting into music, you know, stuff like that. It kind of felt like nothing was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like something happened. So like when you live and you're like, oh, I'm in suburbia, nothing's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, like something happens, like how do you deal with it? How do you comprehend it? And then to have everyone around you go kind of crazy. And were you, actually, were it you, took me so long. Were you in New York at that time as well? Um, I don't think I had ever even been to New York at that point. Um, I started going to shows to like punk shows in like two or three years later, but I hadn't been, we were close to New York. They were like a half hour away. Okay. And we had a pharmaceutical place in our town. So, and I remember in gym class, people would be like, we're next, like they're coming for us next. Yeah, there was a lot of that shit going on, waiting for it's like step two of the invasion or something like that yeah, for like weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when's it, when the when's you know when's it going to be Red Dawn? You know, like that. That's what was yeah, happening. Yeah. So something that I, I want to talk to you about to get back to the film is, is this the approach that you took very different than a lot of other documentaries and docu series that you didn't use any narration. You know, there's no voiceover track explaining what we're, we're all looking at. And it takes out this sort of mediator because already the TV was the mediator for all this stuff for everybody. There were some people that were actually at these events. Like we were, you know, like people who saw 9-11 or people who were, you know, in these places where Bush happened to be or, but for everybody else, the vast majority of us, the TVs, the, the screen is the mediator and you you really recreated that by not having a, the voiceover. I'd like to hear like wh- like why you made that choice rather than to explain some of it and you know, what you were hoping to accomplish. Well, part of the compelling um, aspect of the idea was to be just use all archival footage and don't handhold like, you know, it's enough to do just that. And, you know, it was never a thing to have it. It just felt like, I mean, it certainly wasn't going to be my voice. (laughs) Like, I did not want to like sit there and edit and listen to that. And yeah, it, it honestly, it had to be a movie where it's like the audience would have to do a little bit of work, but it would be work that you'd be open to. I feel like voiceover can be like very distracting and lead you a little too much where it's like, Part of watching it is, you know, taking in the kind of stuff you know, stuff you don't know, 
um, putting them in conversation with each other and you doing the work to like, well, why is it cut like that? Why did you cut there? And then we start here kind of thing. And what is the dialogue being created? And I feel like, you know, there's probably no dialogue if you have someone literally talking to you, you know, um, you do get into maybe areas where like you're not hold, you know, I'm not leading you enough where it's like, I dropped you off and like, that's it because there was very little, I don't think I even used any title cards at first or I was like very resistant to it. I had a friend who's a filmmaker who's younger by like 10 years. And she was just like, I'm sorry, I can't follow this. That's interesting. That, that, that was something that I was really wondering because like so much of this for me was familiar. And, and I, I was asking myself the whole time. I was like, all right, if I didn't already know this, would I understand? Mm-hmm. Is, is it, is it something that is understandable without my frame of reference that I already mm-hmm. have? And I didn't really have an answer. I, I, I really, I still don't have an answer, but I, yeah. I felt like it was one of the most powerful expositions on the, on the question that, that I, that I've seen in, I don't know how long. And what's really wild to me. I mean, it, it seems like it's the most literal interpretation of, of the, of the, of the um, writing adage show don't tell that I've seen in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You know, I mean, um, it was it was really it was really good, but I, but I, the whole time, I, I just, I, and I still don't know because I do have context because I was, so to speak, there. I mean, not physically there, but I, w- I was there at the time. So I, I, I saw these clips. I saw this footage. I remember Bush. I remember mm-hmm. John Kerry. Uh, but I, I to the to this moment, I, I don't know if if. Uh, the story is told in the, in in the same way for somebody who is like 23 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on that point, I'll say uh, three things that are quick, which is that um, that friend had seen an earlier cut. So then I was like, okay, I know what I need to do. And then I saw, I showed a later cut with like too much text, apparently, to another friend who is uh, Iraqi. And she was like, it's too much. Like, he, like, I don't need to be like, like handheld. Yeah. Seeing like how bad it was for Iraq, like that much. It's like, pull back a little bit, you know, we're, we're getting it. Um, and then the series did screen in New York for screenings and I did two Q and A's. So I got to see, you know, the audience. Um, and they're very young, a lot of zoomers and no kidding. They were into it. They were able to follow it. They asked a lot of cool questions. Um, so, you know, who can say, but, you know, my little sample size, um, it was varied and they were able to like keep up with things. I think that your, your testing definitely worked because you've, you've, you seem to have found this, this really nice sweet spot where they're, you know, especially with the, the, the titles, the title card and, you know, the, the rolling text in the beginning, you know, right after that fantastic clip of Bush, which just says like sets the stage for everything. <laughs> like, like as the as the text rolls up, you you lay it out right there that it's meant to to let people know what it was like to be alive during those years. And not only does it do that, but it 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 just it, that that just sets a direction. You know, it did with me at least that that this is what I'm going to be doing right now. 
I'm going to get be getting familiar or re, in my case, refamiliarizing myself with what it was to be alive during those years. And I hadn't even thought about somebody, you know, like in their 20s right now who has no real memory of any of these things. Or if they do, it's the, you know, the memory of of five or a 10 year old child. But it it must, it, I, I, I think it probably has some kind of a similar effect because they have things they can relate to about it still. And the, and there's just enough difference to keep their attention. Yeah. Like I think that, uh, that, yeah, I definitely think that you're, you're the, that the testing that you did really, it, uh, it found just the right amount of information in the beginning. And then at the very end of an episode to give some context about like, you know, here's some consequences of all those things you just saw. And, but without over, uh, over inundating everybody in details and, and facts and dates and things like that. Yeah, that was particularly tough because I didn't want it to be like, it's like, I have this idea for a series, but I also have this like systemic critique of capitalism. So, okay. Um, you don't want to veer too far into like great man of history thing where it's just like, ah, if we just didn't have this guy, we'd be okay. And it's like, well, no, like, no, not at all. But you know, like, how do you end up doing it where it's just like, it does matter who is there and what they do. And then how do you also like, at the very least, acknowledge the world around them, each, you know, each one shaping the world, the world shaping them, like that kind of thing. And how do you do it with this very formal decision to only use footage of Bush? So I think, you know, having this, these kind of very like, grim, dour title cards, you know, helps that along as does commercials, TV show clips, that kind of thing. Um, Stuff that like should be funny. It's interesting to see it with an audience when it's like supposed to be funny and it's not. When you see a commercial after, you know, obviously you see it like a stupid clip of a sitcom after a massacre in Iraq, you know, Nobody's laughs and you feel it in the room. When you say it, it's obvious. I mean, one of the clips that stood out to me was was the AOL 7.0. Like, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, now, now faster than ever. And I was like, oh, shit, this is <laughs> fucking cringy and dating. I, I am I am turning over <laughs> right now, mm-hmm. but it it was it was really I mean I I said it earlier, but I I cannot emphasize enough how much that set the tone throughout the whole thing of having those ads from that time period uh, to to really give the sense of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- AOL is interesting because it was my first internet provider and i thought it was like the shit you know like yeah the king and i remember like steve case was the aol guy and i was like oh like he's you know it was like same thing to me with like like bezos or something it's like yeah. steve case like steve jobs steve case uh apple we got aol you know and it's one of those things where it's like it's gonna be around forever <laughs> and it's not like steve case nobody knows like you know, I hope he's well, I guess, but nobody knows who he is. And it's this thing where it's like, it unlocks all these weird memories and unlocks all these things of like, 
me meeting people on AOL, me using that at a very young age, printing out like walkthroughs for video games and thinking like, this is my internet experience. And then it really like shoots off. And you think about that when you come and back into this movie series about George Bush, who, oh, do we miss him? He never went away. What went away and what didn't? What do I miss? What do I not miss? Early on, there was this Comedy Central TV show. And, and, I, and I often feel like I'm the only person who remembers this TV show. And then I, I talk about it, talk about it like I'm from a parallel universe whenever I bring it up. But uh, it was called That's My Bush. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it even had a full season. And then 9-11 happened and that show was gone uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, I remember that where it was just it was just making fun of Bush for being a fucking nincompoop and just a. To- just totally incompetent. And then all of a sudden 9-11 happened and George Bush was a, a saint. Mm-hmm. And and if you if you question him or the government, then you're questioning the very legitimacy of the United States and all of its history. And uh, also, uh, why do you hate our people? It was interesting. Thing. It was a really is a really weird turn at that. I even remember. um at that time, the the phrase that everybody fucking said all the time for at least a year was or the terrorists win. And that was the justification for literally anything like buy our mattress or the terrorists win. And like it was it was such a ridiculous phrase, but it was repeated so many times. And I feel like you had to be there to remember that phrase or the terrorists win. Yeah, it was not a joke for a really long time. Yeah, uh, it was very, very, serious. very serious about it. Yeah, funny thing about that show. So that's by the South Park creators. Was it those guys? Matt Stone, Trey Parker. I did yeah. not know that. I just remember watching it for a bit. I didn't even realize <laughs> it was them. Yeah. Um, so the guy who played Bush, I think his name is Timothy Bottoms, actor. But he would go on to play George Bush again in a very serious movie, TV movie, about George Bush during 9-11 a few years later. No kidding. So if you can imagine this like very by the book sitcom, like it was trying to be like very corny sitcom. It was pretty guy cheesy. Playing George Bush. Yeah. Guy playing George Bush ends up reprising the role, but very serious. And I never saw it. I'd be very curious like how they square that circle. But yeah, those times were like really crazy. It was hard to joke around. It was very hard to, you know, my gut was to be, this is wrong. Like what is going on? This is wrong. Um, Let's not treat people like this. Let's not treat countries like this. Everything was happening so fast. And I remember like being in high school being like, everyone is kind of lockstep that something needs to happen. Yeah. I feel like we barely know what happened. And I don't know. I don't know if that would be any different today. I don't think it would be the huge benefit that I had the advantage, if you will, uh, is that punk rock had already contaminated my brain. And, and so, uh, I, I was, I was already anarchist way well before any of that. And, and so as a consequence, I was already skeptical of the state. I was already skeptical of, of anything, 
coming out of politicians or or uh, you know the whole lot but it it was it was a really bizarre circumstance for me in in high school because I also didn't have really any direction that this was going. I I didn't I didn't know what this meant. I didn't have any any sense or significance behind this. I mean, I again, I wasn't I wasn't a fucking scholar at the time. I was I was a fucking freshman. So what did I know about anything? Uh, but at the same time, uh, I I I did at least have the sense to at least in two thousand three to be aware that uh waging war on iraq uh or was it iraq iraq i think was the was 2003 uh had no correlation whatsoever with these particular terrorists who were more uh, aligned with saudi arabia who are our allies than anything mm-hmm. yeah on that point punk was very helpful like it was like a very good guideline it's like okay they're saying this wrong and it makes sense i think a lot of my life adolescence wise was just like, I had these inclinations where it's like, this is wrong. Or even just being like left where it's like, this is wrong. Uh, this should be a program. This should be free. You know, like that kind of thing. I remember the argument being like from the smarter kids be like, ah, it's more nuanced. It's like more complicated. It's, you know, it's not like that. And like that held me back for a while. I never really was that kind of guy fully but i'd be like oh i see the nuance like whatever and then now i'm back like full circle and i was like no there is no nuance like people need shelter they need food <laughs> yeah they don't deserve they don't deserve like you know you live in a middle eastern country they don't deserve to like pray for a cloudy day so that drones won't be flying above them like i'm sorry it's not complicated you know yeah. um people should be able to um decide the fate of their own lives. Um, the CIA should not overthrow or install leaders that would be better for Western countries. It's not really complicated. Like it doesn't. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, that shortcut to relationship building where you just feel like you just create a de facto client state. <laughs> it's the equivalent of like, you know, gaslighting yourself into uh, like a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You just like manipulate them until they start, you know, until they start hanging around you more. And, you know, that's basically mm-hmm. what we've done with with so many of these countries. You know, we just we we just keep, you know, spinning the wheel of fortune until we get the leader that is willing to take our bribes. Mm-hmm. No matter what they do is fine as long as they keep taking our money and doing what we want them to do. You know, no matter how mm-hmm. how badly they treat their people or, you know, how the last guy was democratically elected or, you know, whatever. None of that matters. Yeah. On the note of drones, we 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 first started like really acknowledging drones in the first iteration, or maybe that's just because they first really were deployed uh, during Bush. Uh, but uh, people would not shut the fuck up about drones during Obama. And and um, one thing that really just fucking irked me about when when uh, liberals or leftists would would. Uh, uh, complain about drones during Obama. The thing that bugged me about it was that I don't think the problem is the drones. It's just the fucking technology. The problem is that there's this illegal intervention uh, where you have this extrajudicial assassination happening in somebody else's fucking country. And it happens to be a non-pilot 
and mm, and gotcha. and to yeah, me, yeah. I, I felt like the drone point was a total fucking distraction from what was the real point, which is that we're fiddle fucking around in somebody else's country and mm-hmm. and assassinating people. Uh, uh, no, no fucking jury, no nothing. Uh, I mean, I'm sure some of those motherfuckers had it coming. I, I, who's to say? But 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 the point being that. The point is not the technology. There's a whole lot of people here that have it coming too. (laughs) (laughs) But the point, the point, the point is not the technology that's being used. And we're getting fucking hung up on the fact that it's a drone instead of being focused on the problem. At least I think it's the problem, which is that we're fiddle fucking around in somebody else's country. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I mean, do do the same thing with an F-16 and then all of a sudden you have an uh, international incident, you do it with a drone and it's not an international incident. I think that's yeah. the fucking yeah. problem, not the technology being utilized. And I feel like the focus on drone strikes is not the fucking point. And, and throughout the whole Obama administration, everybody focused on drone strikes. It's like that. Mm-hmm. That's not even the who gives a shit what technology is being used. Why don't you have Jewish space lasers? Uh, I mean, I obviously I'm, I'm making a mockery of the, of the anti-Semitic, uh, uh, conspiracy theory, but with same difference, same difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember getting into arguments with people about drones and they'd be like, well, you know, it's better than like having like boots on the ground. It's like, well, okay. I feel like we're missing the point. Like who speaks for the other people? You're just like, well, at least like the physical human American is not over there. And it's just like, well, maybe there should be no over there that we're doing something to. <laughs> yeah. Like that would be where we go. That's the first step. How do we not have empire? That would be a step one. <laughs> yeah. What, what you're saying there, Chris, I, I heard a lot of people say the same thing. Oh, it's, you know, it's better than having the sending troops over there. It's better than sending pilots. And, 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 and Jules, I think that the issue with the drones wasn't so much that, it was like the other countries, you know, didn't think it was as much of an issue because it was a pilotless craft versus one with a guy in it. If there's U.S. planes flying over, there's a, our State Department is in contact with that country, you know, or we've already <laughs> yeah. invaded them, you know, like, like with Iraq, we were just there. Also, we're the U.S. So what the fuck do they uh, have to say about it? Because we have the the spending power in terms of our military of the next nine nations combined. There's no country that thought, okay, it's a drone. It doesn't matter. No, the drone, the whole drone th- program, it w- it's for everybody else's buy-in. Like that's the real benefit because you're not, you're not seeing on news reports, American bodies getting shot and from pilots getting shot down. You never see that. You know, it never it never ends up on the news where you see like, oh, you know, a pilot, a plane was shot down over, you know, over Iran or a plane was shot down over Pakistan or something like that. And the pilots now, you know, we have that Somalia moment where they're dragging the guy down the street and it's on the news. Yeah. The whole idea is for that that footage to never happen again so that they can continue getting this popular support for these military efforts, or at least people not really like getting too worked up over it because there's no bodies. And it allows them to freely like keep all these conflicts away from everybody here. So it doesn't get talked about that much. You know, people aren't protesting. 
that's the insidious aspect of the drone program that makes it absolutely fucking horrid because we can go wreak like murder everybody everybody every place else but nobody here really pays attention because you don't get that captured pilot getting dragged down the road on the news uh one one of the arguments that i remember um from that time period um by that time period i mean like during the aughts was that uh there was this idea that it was also dehumanizing so that instead of being a pilot in an F-16 or whatever, uh, flying over and dropping the bombs and doing the things, uh, you were somebody in, I don't know, Wisconsin, who gives a shit? Uh, you're, you're somebody who's basically operating a fucking game controller in what is effectively a video game in terms of the in-person, uh, 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 I don't know, like, that's what i'm saying no that was that was one of the arguments that was that that was made is that the psychological impact of of you're not even fucking there you're 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 basically um what what was that young adult uh uh book series uh where where there was the kid and he and he uh, ender's game that's what it was i mean it's basically the argument of ender's game of uh of uh the idea the idea that you're you're so disconnected from the violence that you're that you're uh enacting that that in itself is the problem is is that you're you're so many steps removed from the violence that's going on i mean at least that was the idea of ender's game it turns out that author was like super right-wing or like conservative or horrible or something like that i learned that like a couple of months ago. Anyway, good, good book series while we're on the subject. We weren't on the subject till you brought it up. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, while, while I'm on the subject that I brought up. <laughs> Getting back to your, to the documentary, you know, something else that really stands out about it is that, I mean, obviously it's about George W. Bush, but you don't feature anybody else. And that was real. That was also, I think, a zig instead of a zag, because you really expect to see, and well, really, I expected to hear certain voices like Rumsfeld or Cheney or you know Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice or any of these figures that were all clumped together. Karl Rove, any of these people that were such big fixtures. I'm, I'm curious why. Why did you decide to exclude everybody else? Well. Because the germ of the idea was like the Bush rehab. So immediately, also for my sanity, it was just like, let me just set these boundaries and let's see where I can go with it, how far I can go. And it did worry me, again, to go back to the earlier point of just like great man of history. And it's just like, well, yeah, it mattered that Dick Cheney was there. It mattered that Donald Rumsfeld was there big time. Um, But, you know, I didn't. I accepted that the movie could not be that sprawling and that it couldn't be everything because there's a lot that it doesn't get into. Um, but, you know, stuff like this is part of the movie too, where we could talk about the things. Um, yeah. The things that are left that out. We couldn't yeah. do. Yeah. Um, and there are other resources that are good for that too. Um, books, other movies. Um, there's other movies about Rumsfeld. There's other movies about Cheney. Um, 
So that was, it was tough. It was tough to be like, you know, especially Cheney. Um, that was like difficult to leave out. And there's like an interesting movie about um, God, Colin Powell to be made, how he was like, Mr. Serious, we got to trust him. He said, we got to do Iraq. And like, he's the one with the head on his shoulders. That's good. And, um, you know, that turned out to be bullshit. You know, there's an interesting story there. But um, yeah, you know, I laid down the perimeters and it's like, let's see how far it can go. Because it wasn't even like the perimeters were even just like we start at his administration. You know, we're not starting. Like I had a little bit of the primary even, which was kind of interesting. But like, you know, you didn't really want to stay there too long. And then it's like, how far back are we are we going? How far back can I go with like available footage? Um, so it's really just like I have to have this play box, you know, sandbox. Um and it's going to be this size and let's see how far I can get. And if I think there are very important things that are missing that need to go with the exact footage, then we're doing title cards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit of a bummer, but, um, you know, again, like part of this is like talking about it and just being like, you know, pulling things out from the ether, from our memories, from other sources, that kind of thing. I think hearing your explanation and, you know, like specifically that you had you had this initial germ of an idea, which was the relationship rehabilitation or rather, you know, the the image rehabilitation, you know, of George W. Bush. And the fact that you that you you were trying to stay inside those guardrails the entire time, that makes it I mean, it it, it stands out as a different docu-series because of their the omission of all those figures. But knowing that this is the exact reason was the relationship rehab, because I took that away as the as the ultimate point of the whole series was the relationship rehabilitation. Even though like I didn't read anything else about it, I didn't listen to any of the QA stuff. I wanted to talk to you fresh. So you did it basically. Like it I it may have been a bummer during the process to and and challenging to do that but it definitely succeeded. It, that that point is driven home that it's about him and not necessarily saying that he is the the ultimate he bears the ultimate responsibility for everything that happened during during those years or that any of this stuff was even his idea, you know, and that Cheney wasn't pulling his strings or whatever. <laughs> it is about him being transformed from one this goofy guy with sort of like this kind of affected cowboy vibe. And then even you, though he's from fucking Connecticut, Connecticut even yeah. though their family's <laughs> from the whole family's from Connecticut, the, the image rehab happened even before the presidency. He became the oil, the Texas oil man, even though he was terrible at it. Yeah. Sober born again guy. Like he went through a lot. Yeah. And then he, and then he did another rehab as the sober born again guy. The, you know, we're like not going to do cocaine anymore. And <laughs> you just see this constant rehabilitation of him throughout his public life. And that's, uh, the, you know, like, obviously I'm adding stuff that doesn't, that isn't shown in the, in your series. You see that transformation there. And I don't know that that would be such a clear, so clearly indicated if you had included all those other people, you know, then it would be mm -hmm. like, I'm telling the story of the early two thousands, but it's not, it's him. It sounds like you you were you were struggling with killing your darlings. A lot of darlings were killed. It's funny that you say that because like 
and I've, I've said it before, like I keep, I sometimes refer to this as a movie because it was a movie. And I, during another feedback session, um, filmmaker friend, Zach Fleming was like, did you ever think about doing this as a series? Cause it's, you know, it's kind of a lot. And, you know, I'm just like, fuck that, you know, but then I, oh, really I thought it was a series. It I'm like, it, like it is now. Oh, it is. No kidding. But it was a movie and it was like, it was really hard. It was like two and a half hours and he's like, maybe a series. So, you know, I was flipping about it, but then I was like, maybe he's right. And I cut everything became episodes per year. And then you end up being able to put more stuff back in because it's a shorter little bite you can do. And then the way we consume now, people are going to binge it anyway. So you kind of get both worlds. You get it to be a movie where people can watch it in straight shot, have all those feelings. And then you also get like these little, even if you watch it all at once, even if you binge, it feels better because you're starting, you're stopping like, ah, you like breathe and then the credits <laughs> come back. Like, Listen, oh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to watch a two and a half hour movie. How about two and a half hours of multiple small bites? Oh, totally. Obviously. I'm not even sure if we that's do enough. It. <laughs> no, we but do people, it. Yeah, people, you can't get people to watch a two hour film, but they will watch six hours of a sitcom or something like that. <laughs> That they don't even know they like. They yet. don't even that know they if they like it. They and like. they're just on. <laughs> and then the next episode auto loads. And now you're watching that one. And then you're like, oh, shit, I have to go to the bathroom. Oh, my God. It's like two o'clock in the morning. You know, like I got to get up. Yeah. Yeah. So by that, <laughs> guilty. Because I had, yeah, I, because I had now episodes, it was like, okay, so an episode, you do like 20 to 30 minutes. I'm going to put some of those darlings back in. That's interesting. Know? And because they, like, the episodes had their own arc then. Um, it didn't feel like you were padding or anything. It's like, oh, okay, now like things are flowing. Um, no, it feels like it has the natural space to expand now, and you so you can freely add that back in without getting off topic or you know go, go, going too far afield from what from the main the main story. Mm-hmm. This is another time that you you've mentioned that you got some advice and some feedback from somebody else about this. You have a really good group of people around you. You know, like you were getting really good advice, like they're giving you good, honest feedback. And, and Mm -hmm. I think that it's a, it's a testament to how, you know, we, there, there's, there aren't very many people who can successfully, if any work in solitude that, you know, that we, we, these whole, like everything that we produce is some kind of a conversation, even in its production, you know, as we're making something, we get this feedback from other people and it, and then even if we, even if we don't take their advice, it causes us to, it's a cause for us to reflect on the choices that we've made so far and to, you know, maybe a confirmation that I am doing the thing that I, you know, that I should be doing, or I should change this slightly like that, or at least experiment with it. And yeah, so you have, you have a really good crowd around you. They're, they're giving you, they're giving you good tips. (laughs) Shout out to my uh, special thanks section. Yes. In the credits. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very cool. One one thing that I God I, I I forgot that I forgot and was again reminded is how Florida has always been a fucking problem for, <laughs> for us in the United States on the federal mm-hmm. level. It's it's always fucking Florida. I mean, right now it's Ron DeSantis, but but. Like the 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 clips that you that you did with the hanging chads shit, like 
I remember when they were talking about the hanging chads. I remember that. And, and, and I feel like that, that is, that is something that is, is seemingly lost in time. Like it, it was, it was a moment in, in 2000. It was a fucking moment. But the thing is he fucking won. I, I mean, who's he Bush shouldn't have, uh, uh, Gore. Uh, Bush shouldn't have even been a president in the first place before 9-11, before all of this shit transformed uh, the trajectory of the United States uh, into what basically became the new Cold War. Uh, so instead of the, the Ruskies and, and the, the communists, it became the terrorists. Uh, which was this vaguely defined enemy and and villains who are you know odd oddly in the Middle East uh, where there's lots of oil, uh, but uh, the there there was there was there was not really terrorists are anything. the perfect enemy because it oh, is it is so undefined because it's it's it's, it's so fucking meaningless. If we really want to explore the moon, we need like we need a moon man threat. Yeah. The thing is, is that is that uh, for fuck's sake, he shouldn't even have even been there. And sure, he got reelected. But I mean, that's not that doesn't necessarily even mean anything per se. Uh, But like the first time around, I mean, by all accounts, and I'm not trying to sound conspiracy theorist here, but he didn't fucking win. He didn't fucking win. And it all came back to. I think it's easy to get stuck on the idea that elections are won with, solely with votes. Sure. sure. You know, like we all grow up thinking that, you know, watching Schoolhouse Rock, you know, we have these <laughs> memories about learning how the three branches of government work and how the electoral process works and all our, and all these things, but and we we have this idea of how it's supposed to go and we think that it's because that we're all voting for the president. But nobody votes for the president. No, it's the fucking electoral college. And and like it's it's so disproportionately favoring uh, a bunch of rural fucking towns in terms of how many people are voting percentage wise. It, it disproportionately favors rural towns. If you're looking at uh, um, the 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 number of electoral votes that Montana, which has five guys and a sheep, compared to the exact na- same number of, of people in in California, your your vote in California is worth way less, and, and they're worth none when the Supreme Court decides. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah, that's that's that. that's the that's the that's my takeaway message on this is that about how it's not one with just votes. We 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 see this eerie foreshadowing right there in the beginning of your series, Chris. That of all of the election craziness that we've experienced in the last four years. You know, the, mm-hmm. I mean, like all the way, like, you know, from the, the election year all the way up until now, people are still talking about these fucking voting machines. And then there you have right at the beginning of your series talking about paper ballots, you know, and that's, that's the big, the big holy land for all of these voting machine conspiracy weirdos is we need to go back to paper ballots and the, everybody has forgotten, and your series stands here reminding them that shit wasn't so good either. <laughs> like, yeah. the, like anybody who wants to sow discontent or create some kind of chaos, they're going to find a way to do it. 
And and if ever there was a time that the third the third party was vilified, uh, it was Nader during that because Nader was basically thrown under the bus and and said, "Oh, the reason we have Bush right now was because of Nader." Mm-hmm. Well, in in this political system, the reason we had Bush was because of Nader, and the same reason we got Clinton instead of George W. was because of Ross Perot. Perot. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like that's yeah, gonna with, say with this with the way that we do primaries and without having runoff elections, then at a national level, then yeah, that's how that's what we're always gonna have. The third party is always gonna be the one that fucks it up. Yeah, the third party is pretty interesting of an argument because you generally hear it from liberals, but mm-hmm. it tends to help liberals the most because of how many like weird fringe right wing libertarian parties. There's way more fringe right-wing parties, the constitutional party, the the libertarians themselves, which are, I mean, basically the right wing of the Republicans at this point, but the, mm-hmm. you know, because of like Coke money and everything. And like, those guys are all libertarians and, but yeah, exactly. You know, like it really, it helps the liberals win elections way more than it hurts them. And, right. but we'll never, we'll never get away from the third party being a villain until we have the, runoff the elections. Spoiler. Because yeah. they're always well, going to fuck things up, yeah. Or, or rank like you, or rank choice, which is which is rank choice would be another way out of that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, at, yeah. Uh, I think they have it in New York now, and I think we're about to get it here in in Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but I mean, one thing that's kind of fucking wild about that is that the two places a, that are always going to be voting liberal anyway. Yeah, <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> California. <laughs> Let's get that one. You won't uh, get it in so, Florida. So I'll, I'll say this. Uh, one one thing that's really nice about being in Seattle is that I never, ever, ever feel bad about voting for the socialist or the weirdo or the whatever, because it doesn't fucking matter because it's so far left that the baseline is liberal. <laughs> I mean, that's that would that's be ideal. Honestly, here. that would so be like, the most right wing you get that? would be the most right wing you would get would be the Democrat Party would be like. Something to work to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about like all these things that make it like, oh, we have a liberal democracy. It's democratic. But you talk about the Supreme Court, all these like non-democratic institutions. But even like who gets to be in that position to vote for? Like yeah. it's, it's a certain person from a certain class with certain class interests every time. If they're not from that class, they will be in that class like very yeah. soon and they will fight for a certain class. Um, and that is not democratic to me when you have to have, you have to either have a certain amount of wealth in order to do this, or you have to know people who have a certain amount of wealth and know how to treat them and talk to them. That is not democratic. So, you know, it's another thing where it's like, that might not be step one, but it's very early on yeah. versus like all the other things that we, not, not we, but bigger we media, stuff like that, ends up talking about when we talk about democracy. And I I don't I don't want to shift gears too much too soon or too suddenly, but uh, One of the things that I have in my notes that that we didn't even get to at all that I that I that I really wanted to ask about um, or or talk about 
column mate, column B, uh, is, is, is flip flop John Kerry is that this is, this is something that I remember is the flip flop thing. Like it was, it was, it was, I mean, proto memes. It was a, it was a thing, uh, is, is he was a flip flopper and he, and he couldn't decide. And one of the things that you did in, 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 uh, uh, a number of the clips was, was kind of show John Kerry, like going this way and that way. And, and honestly, it, it, it was, it was showing, I don't know if I ironically or, or, or like oddly, oddly, that's what I'm going to go with, uh, uh, Bush rightly calling out John Kerry for not being fucking consistent, uh, where, yeah, John Kerry was not fucking consistent. I mean, he, he, he was all over the place. I mean, that, 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 that was kind of part of that election and God, it, it's 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 almost like talking about Dukakis right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who remembers Dukakis who wasn't there except for the nerds mm. uh, like myself? And and I remember him in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that's the thing is that like John Kerry is like fucking Dukakis, where it was such an important point in in american politics and yet if you weren't there uh it's just fucking gone it's just lost to history because he didn't fucking win but the arguments that were being made at the time were so fucking important and 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 it was a real part of the development of american politics and with uh carrie the the whole flip-flop thing is that honestly carrie represented in my view, the Democratic Party for fucking 20 years before and 20 years after, which is they didn't stand for fucking shit. They were totally spineless. And that's why they lost then. And that's why they're about to. I mean, hopefully they're not. But that's why they might lose right now coming into it. It's, mm. it's, it's just this spinelessness. That was probably not the time to call out someone like John Kerry, you know, like. At that point in time. Um, and I wonder what that does to people because I do remember, oh man, oh God, there was a website. John Kerry is a douchebag, but I'm voting for him anyway.com. <laughs> nice. And that was the sentiment. Was that really a website? That. Absolutely. Yeah. And then um, it's no different. And then, and, Please, yeah. No, it had all like all of these reasons. And I remember that being um, a thing. And that's like, Sorry, you know, just not exciting. And then you have someone who's basically like whatever, like flip flopping, but you know, they're going to kind of do the same thing. And then we saw that they did kind of do the same thing. Um, so what do you do? And that's what makes like Obama so remarkable and really a legacy so lasting is like you have this charismatic like figure, this great guy came in at the like right time. Didn't amount to much, but he really seemed like he was going to, though. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's yeah, the thing. He was he was so 100%. he was so capable of presenting a figure that was about to do something, and he managed to do that for eight years. He was able to keep that keep that going. That like something's <laughs> about to happen. But that that clip that Jules brought up with the the Kerry debate, 
It also highlights something about George W. Bush for anybody who has a lingering question about how he's managed to transform his image in this way. In spite of the reputation for being this this really goofy moron, he's pretty quick on his feet when it comes to talking. And he has this sort of this comfortable way of 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 speaking. It 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 makes him seem like he's probably a lot more competent than he actually is. I I kept thinking as I was watching all these old clips that he does have this charm about him. As he's when when he's in conversation, this conversational charm. He, he's got he, no statesman he, he, qualities. He he turns an attack into a joke. He's a, he's able to to like chuckle at things. I mean, you see his demeanor in, in the shoe video when the Iraqi reporter threw the shoe at him, and just how cool and collected he was immediately following that. And then he talked about that man's right to express himself. I mean, that that's a perfect thing to say, whether he believes it or not. One of the one of the things that's lost about that that moment. So when that uh, first of all, that guy who threw the shoes at 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 uh, Bush, he has a statue of him in Iraq right now. Um, I don't know what the statue looks like, but there's a there's a statue commemorating him throwing the shoes at at Bush in Iraq right now. So that's the thing. You can look it up if you want to. But in addition to that, one thing that's not. This is like the third episode that Jules has brought up the statue of the guy. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting here trying not to shake my head to like, and I, I couldn't contain it any longer. I'm like, this hey, listen, is so, <laughs> am I having like a, like a stroke right now? Or did we already have this exact conversation with somebody else? Listen, listen, we don't, we don't know how many of our listeners have listened to those episodes. So this is totally new to some listeners. <laughs> Not this one. <laughs> when we think about how we approach people like Bush in the public sphere, in, in, in the way of understanding these public officials, they're not... They're not human beings in the way that we think about them. The way that we approach like George Bush or Ronald Reagan or or Bill Clinton or something like that, they're they're not human beings. They're almost like demigods in the way that we think about them, in the way that we approach them. We 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 come at them in this way of of uh, uh, either they're the villains to our worldview. And they are basically the avatars of whatever is everything that's terrible about the world and society and whatever it is. Uh, or they're the the avatars of whatever we're they're the champions of what we're trying to achieve. And so and so in the case of, for example, Trump, he doesn't have a philosophy. I mean, come on. He's a he's a fucking moron. He doesn't believe in anything. Uh, they're nihilist Lebowski. They believe in nothing. <laughs> he, he doesn't believe in anything. But at the same sense, what what somebody like like Trump or or George W. or or you know any of the uh, Clinton. I mean, people voted for Clinton because of a fucking saxophone. For Christ's sake. So when we're looking at this from the point of view of of trying to understand. Why do people vote for these people? The reason that we believe in all of these, all of these politicians, uh, whether it's W or whatever it is, 
is not because it's logical. It's it's not because we're we're we we have this sound, cons- well thought out and considered way of understanding politics and ec- economics and and the rest of it. It's because they're it's the avatars spectacle. of our tribe, and yeah, it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle. Yeah. <laughs> so, Chris, where I mean, we we were talking about the reputation laundering that's been going on and you know the the legacy building that's been happening with Bush I'm I'm curious like before we wrap up what what do you think the lasting legacy is going to end up being like where do you think the needle's going to land for for George W after the uh, the objective historians get a hold of it the way that he says yeah. in the, one of the last clips of the uh, of your series you know if there is no radical change in our country and our world I'm sure it'll be fine you know just like Everyone else, pretty much, except for like Nixon, who was hung out to dry. I think permanently, I think people probably might be a little softer to him, Nixon. But I think everyone else is pretty clear that's, you know, in in common memory, which does not go that far. And then um, it's a question of how Trump is going to be treated. I think, honestly, I think it's like an open question how long we go before... It's a bit more like favorable, I think. But I think they'll they'll treat Bush okay, you know. Um, complicated figure, you know, divisive, whatever. But I don't think the way things are going, it's going to be bad, you know, because the work is being put in too. And again, people do not remember, and things are so much faster now because the internet, social media, that um, we're like people are retaining less and. They are buying into the spectacle, buying into that story. So, you know, um, people are just going to probably look back without hatred. You know, I think that's how it's going to go unless, you know, unless uh, things change, unless programs are successful, your program, you know, stuff like that. Unless we have some sort of social reckoning that goes on where we all all of a sudden decide that the past matters. Yeah. Do people go to jail? Who goes to jail? Who gets, you know, do we lose our cultural dominance, which makes us reflect like a lot of crazy things can happen. It's, it's back to, you know, pre nine 11 being a teenager being like, Oh, nothing's going to happen. Just girls and music. And then you get a job, but then stuff happens. So could, you know, you could do the Lenin quote, um, decades where nothing happens and days where decades happen. You know, who knows? But I think yeah. if we continue the way things are going, like uh, people will not really have an issue with Bush. Unfortunately, I have a feeling you're right. <laughs> I think that uh, I, I think that he is. Uh, yeah, he's going to be that goofy ex-president who paints bad portraits. <laughs> Well, people could always check out the series Miss Me Yet if they're unsure and maybe they'll come out thinking differently. We can only hope. Absolutely. And it's on uh, such a great platform. Yeah, it's on Means TV. You don't have to subscribe in order to watch it. It's freely available on Means TV, but I do recommend subscribing. It's very affordable. And if you can't pay the suggested price, there's a sliding scale as well. So we welcome you. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah, me, 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 means TV is great. And here's the thing: so the 
the fash have rumble. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you but, putting means TV and a rumble on the two ends of a spectrum? <laughs> I mean, I wasn't necessarily, but <laughs> is this going to be streaming platform horseshoe theory? <laughs> 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 but no, Means TV is really is really great. Like everything I've seen on there has been really, really wonderful. We'll include links to all your stuff, Chris, and you know to the series and the and as as well as your your Twitter handle, so that people can track you down online. The uh, and definitely watch his other stuff too. It's so good. Watch the short films on Vimeo. They are so enjoyable. So. What was the other one? Uh, one times one. Mm. Yeah. Also, another another great film. <laughs> um, Thank you. Before we go and wrap everything up, Chris, I know we've been we've been plugging Miss Me at this entire time. Is there anything else that you're working on that you'd like to let people know about or events that are coming up? Um, well, you can watch my other feature, The Winds That Scatter, um, on Means TV, and I do have a second, uh, third feature. Um, coming out. So if, um, I don't know, if you program a festival, uh, let me know. Um, if you've seen Trammel, it's a most pretty much a feature version of that. So that's called Failed State. And I co-directed it with a friend, Mitch Bloomer, great filmmaker. Um, be on the lookout for that. And uh, I guess that's it. All right. And thanks and, for having me. Oh, yeah. Too cool. and, and where can people help find you online? Um, I am Update the Grids. <laughs> On uh, Twitter, very stupid um, <laughs> username. No, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's easy to remember. Very random thing I did, and then my link tree is uh, just Christopher Jason Bell, and I have all my links to um, podcast appearances and films you could check out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for talking to us, Chris. It was it was a real pleasure. Yeah, it's it's my been pleasure. a real pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having. It's me. been great. And uh, hold on, before we go. I can't. I can't not mention it. You've had a classic blockbuster. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, like, I've uh, been looking at your sweatshirt the entire time. So, I mean, so I mean, he's wearing. I mean, like, we, can't, we can't not. Yeah. I mean, we're we're all we're we're, we're traveling back in time. And he, and he's got a blockbuster episode. video hoodie on the whole episode. All right, I just I just want to mention that before we go, best hoodie ever. I thought it would be appropriate for the what we were going to talk about. So, good clothing <laughs> choice. Thank you. I'll tell my wife. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Wet Wired. We hope you enjoyed it and definitely go check out Miss Me Yet on Means TV. It's it's so good. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wet Wired Pod or on the Discord. Uh, the link will be in the show notes. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at WetWiredPod or on Discord. The link will be in the show notes. I tell you. You can also find us online at Twitter. <laughs> Later, everybody. You can. You- <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Excellent. <laughs> but during the game, they showed a shot of George and me laughing together. And uh, so... <laughs> 
people were upset. They thought, why is a gay Hollywood liberal sitting next to a conservative Republican president? Didn't even notice I'm holding the brand new iPhone 11. And, um, <laughs> but a lot of people were mad, and they did what people do when they're mad. They tweet. And, uh, but here's one tweet that I loved. This uh, person says, Ellen and George Bush together makes me have faith in America again. I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. We're all different, and I think that we've forgotten that that's okay, that we're all different. For instance, I wish people wouldn't wear fur. I don't like it, but, but I'm friends with people who wear fur. And I, I'm friends with people who are furry, as a matter of fact. I have <laughs> friends who should tweeze more. And I, I have, but just because I don't agree with someone on everything doesn't mean that I'm not going to be friends with them. When I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Doesn't matter. All right, so Kenneth is saying Ellen is amazing. Let her be friends with whoever she wants. Timothy says love it. I think that uh, the thing that people had a hard time with was this just isn't two people who have difference of opinion. I know. People start bringing up things like war criminal yes, and that to be stole a big the issue. election from Al Gore. Right. And there's a, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things uh, beyond the, um, the argument for, you know, friends with difference of opinion because I do believe that. But if you could remember back to when George W. Bush was president. If we, if I told you at that time that Ellen DeGeneres would be on television defending her relationship with him, nobody would believe you. And it's incredible what a little bit of time, time. can do, you know? And, yeah. uh, and it makes you sort of fearful for, you know, how other people will be looked at in time. Yeah, now Peter's saying she's flexing her new iPhone, which is funny. Uh, Puff yeah. Sleeves kind of girl says great message. So I, I agree with you. I think the message is wonderful, but I don't know if that was the basis for what the concerns it was were not. for a lot of people online. It was not. Yeah.